Good morning. Happy New Year and open your Bibles to John chapter 10 as we come to this really John's magnum opus and what it means to, to know Christ and then to live like him. But did you see the movie that came out years ago called Babe? That was about a pig. Ironically, y'all know us, we have a pet pig. He doesn't act like the pig in the movie, I can assure you. And, uh, but the contrast is helpful. The picture I had in, in my head as I, as I thought about this contrast that, that the Lord's trying to help us understand between a good shepherd and a bad one is sort of that picture in that movie. You have the dogs, right? They're painted pretty bad in the movie. They're biting the sheep and nipping at them. And yet this pig has this, I don't remember, some kind of secret word or anyway. The picture I've got is him in that, that contest. If you remember, the, the pig was walking alongside of the sheep. They're just going in a particular direction in contrast to the dogs that are driving and biting and forcing. This is the contrast that Jesus has painted. His, his whole life was, was in, to some degree a contrast between what it means to be a good shepherd and what it means to identify the bad ones. The bad ones here are the Pharisees. They are the most religious people of the day. The way they treated the blind man should be in your mind today. It was in his but think about this, it's, it's not a, just a New Testament idea. In Exodus 3.1, Moses, who would shepherd God's people, began by being a shepherd, says this, And Moses was keeping the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness. In turn, is we have this, Psalms 23, in our minds, hopefully indelibly stamped there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He does what? He leads me beside still waters. He does not force us to them. He does not bite us to the, to the still waters. He leads us. This is the contrast. The blind man and the Pharisees or the blind man and Jesus. Which would you rather follow? So, some degree, Jesus' life could be Bore down to harsh legalism or a person to follow. One who would excommunicate you, which happened to the blind man. Or one that would seek you, would heal you, both body and soul. And so today, I want us to understand some principles. For me in my life, the promises of God are critical. The principles that I learn in Scripture are also critical. They protect me, they protect you, they help us make decisions in life. First, bad shepherds create wandering sheep. Bad shepherds create wandering sheep. Second principle, bad shepherds seek control and self-glory. Bad shepherds seek control and self-glory. In contrast to good shepherds. Good shepherds lead through service and sacrifice. And fourth, there's only one good shepherd. All others are stewards of those who belong to the Lord. It's important no matter who you are, no matter who you follow and don't follow. There's only one good shepherd. Everybody else is a steward 
or as we're going to talk about in the text today, under shepherds. We are under shepherds, but we are stewards of those who ultimately belong to the Lord. And so, with your Bibles turned to John 10, let us stand to our feet and let us read this. And as we stand, remember, John chapter 10 is a turning point in the book of John. It is a turning point. It is, as I said, the summation of the person of Christ. For John, as he summarizes the life and the person of Christ... This is the most critical understanding of Christ that you need to understand. Because at this point, when we hit chapter 11 in two weeks, it's going to be about the cross. John chapter 10. Our Lord says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs, but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hears his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them. The sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Verse 7. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay my life down down that I may take it up again no one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again this charge I have received from my father this is God's word Lord help us today to see some simple but life's changing truths about your son Lord, thank you for your whole counsel of word. Thank you that we can never mind the depths, and yet that humbles us today. As we read and study and think hard about who your son is, help us, we pray, to be ever coming to the well of your word where we can find water and refresh our souls, refresh your people today. Orient us. If there are bad under-shepherds, 
misleading any of those that hear my voice, either online or here in the room, Lord, would you reveal to them exactly who is the good shepherd and who is the bad one this morning? Because we seek to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Three reasons this morning I want us to see of all that we could say and all that we could look. This is some of the most theological and doctrinal chapter in the whole Bible. Three reasons Jesus is the good shepherd. First, I want us to see Jesus is the good shepherd because he is a personal shepherd. This is something to remember of all that John has pointed out to us. He he wants us to get this picture. Jesus wants his, the, the, the wandering sheep of Israel to see this. You see, they understood this. We don't have this in our situation. Shepherds would oftentimes have communal pens, uh, folds, places of safety where multiple shepherds take their sheep and they would go into one fold. So it was sort of a communal pen. There was one door to come in. There was a gatekeeper. As it was, so to speak, an under-shepherd who watched the gate. That's the context that Jesus comes. And Jesus is painting this picture of, of a shepherd who comes in through that gate and calls to his sheep. And they're all sitting there eating. Let's say there's three different groups of sheep in there and they're all eating. And he calls to his own and they go, huh? The shepherd. All the other ones keep eating. He leads them out and they follow him. Jesus is a personal shepherd. He has personal knowledge of his people. Of his own. Verse 3. To him the gatekeeper opens. Listen. It's a simple language. Should paint a clear picture in your mind. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. They're his. Listen, it's important. <laughs> they follow him because they are his sheep. The shepherd, not the sheep, takes the initiative. They're his. He knows them by name. Other places in the gospel, we see illustrations of him saying, I have a hundred sheep and one gets lost and I go get the one. I know them all. Jesus has personal knowledge of his people. It's critical. But listen, so is it critical that Jesus' people have experiential, have personal knowledge of him. Verse 4 and 5. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Verse 5. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. You see, Christ wants us to know about the good shepherd. Is this, there is a two-way relationship going on here. There's two-way knowledge. This, we've talked about this, haven't we? This, this essential knowledge, this intimate knowledge, this personal knowledge. This is not intellectual knowledge. This is intimate. It is both ways. He calls, they follow. Today, what do we teach? Just pray some mystical prayer. Take some class. Sign some card. Make sure you don't want to go to hell, do you? So just raise your hand and repeat after me. 
And then go out and live life the way you want to. Listen, brothers and sisters, does this paint the picture of what Jesus is painting here? They're his sheep. They know him personally, intimately, and he knows them. And he calls them and they follow. This, brothers and sisters, is what it means to be a Christian. It's what it means to follow a good shepherd. For does not Jesus give us a warning in Matthew 7 and verse 22 and 23 that on that day there will be many people that say, Lord, Lord, didn't we know you? Didn't we heal people in your name? Didn't we preach for thousands of people? Didn't we cast out demons? Lord, we knew you. And what will the Lord say? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. Two-way knowledge is simple, is essential. So we see here, their response is simple when they're in the fold. He calls, they hear, they follow. And so... A little bit of application as we go today. Good leadership requires good followership. Good leadership requires good followership. It takes a good leader. It takes a good shepherd. It also takes sheep who know that the shepherd is good. And that they can trust him. And it begins both in the spiritual world and in the physical world. Through a relationship that's built on trust. Stranger, you see, doesn't have the trust. You see it in verse 5? Not following the stranger. They don't have a relationship with the stranger. They don't trust the stranger. So they're not following him. Begins here not with following people, but with following Christ. The one thing is clear in this picture. The, the sheep were dependent on the shepherd. They knew him. They trusted him. The shepherd took full responsibility for the sheep. There's always somebody trying to climb over the fence. There's always somebody coming in. It takes responsibility. Our good shepherd never slumbers or sleeps. Jesus is the good shepherd because he's a personal shepherd. But listen, he protects his people. He protects. It's hard for me this morning to divide, provide and protect up. Let's look at protect. Let's try. There'll be overlap here. Jesus is the good shepherd that protects his people. That's why he's good. No, you're not good if you don't protect. That's what it means to be a good shepherd. He protects. Look all the way down to verse 16. I want you to see he protects by gathering. I don't want you to miss this part. Listen, we are here today as, as Gentiles because this is true. Because God kept his word. Look at verse 16. I have other sheep that are not in this fold. I must bring them in also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. There are other sheep. And there are those that are in this fold. The, the first Christians, the first early church was primarily a Jewish church. And you remember God called Saul who became Paul. And he said, you're going to go out and you're going to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And though Jesus started that, we can see that in his life. He would begin to gather in Gentiles into one church. And listen, there's only one 
legitimate way to enter in to the fold is through the door. Through the door. Jesus said he's the door. When you come in the door, it brings two things. We'll look at some of this next week. Salvation and security. Salvation and security is found inside the door. So he protects us by saving. Now remember with me that we oftentimes read Paul's letters so much, we're always wanting to go towards the future, right? And that's wonderful. But John's wanting us to know that salvation is something we experience now. Right now. So he tells this word picture in verse 7. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door to the sheep. Jesus is the door that holds secure. Now I'll give you a challenge, and I guarantee you, none of you are going to take it. At least, I hope you don't. Go home at about 9 o'clock. Everybody's starting to wind down and get ready for bed. Put the kids to bed, and then go to your front door and take the door off the hinges. Just for one night, take the door off the hinges. If you've got a screen door, you've got to take it off too. Wide open door, and go to bed. How are you going to sleep? Not going to sleep much. At least the people, you see, think about this. The people that have been entrusted to take care of those in that house aren't going to sleep unless they are sleeping in the door. Amen? This is what Jesus said. He is the door. He is the door that protects by saving. He's going to bring Gentiles and all people through one door, through Christ. And when he does, he holds the door secure. He is the door. No entrance, no security, except through Jesus Christ. That's what he's teaching us. He is the only way, because he is the door. But oh, how I detest when people paint Jesus as some kind of weak-willed, I don't even know, they paint him as a shepherd, but apparently they don't understand what it meant to be a shepherd. Like you say, read David's life. I want you to understand he protects by saving because he is a warrior that defends his own. To be a shepherd meant to be a warrior. That's why David didn't have a bit of problem from go from whooping sheep, from bears and lions to whooping people. Remember what he said? He came to Saul and said, that Goliath out there, I'm going to go whoop him. He said, you're just a boy. He said, no. When a bear and a lion would come in and they would grab one of my sheep, I would go to him and I would take hold of them and I would slay him and I would deliver my sheep out of his mouth and I would do the same to him. To be a shepherd is to be a warrior. It is to know who your own are and know how to defend them. That's important, brothers and sisters, to your life because Jesus is good and the world is full of not good people. Amen. It's full of them. They're everywhere and some of them look good. In this text, if we had time, we would look at thieves and false shepherds, hired hands. All of which do not have the sheep's best interest in mind at varying degrees. You can read Paul's letters to the church and find out about plenty about the false shepherds. Let's look at the thieves. Verses 8 to 10. The thieves. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door... Listen to this language, it's important. If, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10. 
one of the most important verses in all of Scripture to know in Christ. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The thief is stealing. You see it? He's climbing over the side of the fold and he's stealing the sheep. To say that he doesn't have the best interest of the sheep in mind is an understatement. He wants to benefit from the sheep. He wants to profit for their sake. So he's going to steal them. The thief comes in not to do good, but of his own self-centered advantage to experience gain at the sheep's behalf. This is the Pharisees, brothers and sisters. Though they began good, if you study their history, they had a good start, a good reason for why they started. It was this self-centered legalism that would see a blind man be healed. And the only thing he was, they were concerned about is you did it on the wrong day. Think about it. That's a bad shepherd. That's what he's saying. He's pointing his fingers at the Pharisees. He said, you are the thieves and the robbers. And those people you are hurting are my sheep. Oh, Jesus is a warrior. You ought to study the history of the Pharisees later. The thief came to take life. Jesus came to lay his life down for him. But you need to hear me today. There is one who seeks your life. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, the sheep of the Lord, this truth. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. There is one, brothers and sisters. Listen, there is one if you're listening online and you know not Christ. And you say, well, this don't apply to me. I'm not a Christian. You are made in the image of God and the devil desires your life. Your life. We need to hear this today. The, the devil, whether you believe him or not, wants to destroy you. He is the great adversary of which all of the bad people in this life follow him. Jesus Desires to protect his people. How does he do it practically? Like what does this mean? When I go out of here. What does this mean? How does Jesus protect? Turn with me to Psalms 119. As you know Psalms 119. Is. All about God's word. I want us to see two things. Three really. But two here in this passage. God protects us through his providence. And through his word. I told the praise team, I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful for Pastor Mike. I was stressed out because I wanted to talk about providence. And pulled up as I'm going over the sermon on Saturday night. I always listen to the worship, worship myself. And I saw Sovereign Over Us. Very precious song to us because of some things we went through in our life. But I'm grateful for that. But listen to this. How does Jesus protect his people? Psalms 119, verse 105. Your what? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God protects his people through the truth of his word. Through the truth of his word. But look on down to verse 116. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live. And let me not put to shame in my hope. 117, hold me up 
that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. God protects us through his word, through his sovereign providences in our life, most of which we never even know. And some of those sovereign providences sit beside you right now. We are protected by the truth of his word, by his divine providence, but even more practically, turn with me to Acts 4. We are protected by God's church. I wish I had more time today. I would love to sit down with you if you don't believe this, and most don't. Our lives prove it. We believe we can pray. Jesus will protect us, but we abandon the means by which God protects us. We neglect it. Look at this very practical passage. Acts 4, 32, 34. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Verse 33, and with great power the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, truth being proclaimed, and great grace was upon them all. Verse 34, and there was not a needy person among them, for as many that were owners of land and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of that that was sold. In other words, the means for God's protection and provision in their life was God's word, God's providences, and the church of Jesus Christ. We are the means. We are instruments in God's hands. Jesus protects. He is a good shepherd. He protects and he provides. And so do you see it through God's church. He protects through under-shepherds. Under-shepherds. To some degree, this is one of his main points. It is the context He is contrasting himself with the Pharisees. There is a watchman in verse 2 at the gate. He guards the gate. Do you see that? You could call him an under-shepherd. In the Old Testament, there were watchmen that stood on the wall. He compared the elders of Israel in the Old Testament. The shepherds is what he called them. If, If you want to turn in your Bible, turn with me to Ezekiel. Pretty big book, pretty easy to find. If you find Daniel first, just just turn to the left there and you'll find him. Ezekiel 34. This, this, brothers and sisters, had to be in the Lord's mind. And if it was the Pharisees were listening, it had to be in their mind too, for they knew this. Ezekiel 34. Listen to what God spoke through the prophet. Verse 1, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not the shepherd feed the sheep? He goes on with his indictment. Look down at verse 4. So the contrast between being a good shepherd and a bad one. Look at verse 4. The weak... You have not strengthened the sick. You have not healed the injured. You have not bound up the strayed. You have not brought back the lost. You have not sought. And with force and harshness, you have ruled them. So they were scattered because they, there was no shepherd. 
and they became food for the wild beast. My sheep were scattered. Do you see that? They were the under-shepherds given charge of God's people to take care of them, whether they in sickness or in health, whether they strayed or stood true. They were responsible. And instead, they were too busy fattening themselves up to care for the sheep. And he said, you have forgotten. Those are my sheep. And in the same way, turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. This is the contrast, brothers, in this text. This is the context. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. When Jesus, verse, chapter 9, Matthew verse 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus leads his people through under-shepherds who leads them and loves them like he does. Jesus provides by giving them life. You see that in verse 9 and 10? This is the main thing for John that he wants his audience to get. He said, Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, it is necessary for a sheep to live. <laughs> Seems obvious, doesn't it? He must go in the fold. He must go out of the fold. The goal for the sheep when he goes out of the fold is to eat without being eaten. <laughs> so he must go in and out. Just listen to this. This is powerful to me. Moses is speaking to the Lord. Moses' time is about done. Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Numbers 27 and in verse 16, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be a sheep that have no shepherd, and so God said, go call a man named Joshua. It's a sermon right there. He calls us. He saves us. He provides and protects us to give us life. We are called to have an active life, not a passive life. An abundant life. Not a needy life. He calls you. He died in order that you may have peace with Him and life together. You see, the sheep would have been perfectly happy just to stay in the fold where they were safe. Never having to make contact with the outside world. To stay where it was safe. But what good would it have done, brothers and sisters, for the shepherd to keep the sheep safe in the fold while they starve to death? They must go out. They must eat. He must find them pasture, for that is the responsibility of the shepherd. And it is the responsibility of an under-shepherd to feed the sheep. To love them personally. To care for them personally. Personally, because that's what Jesus does. 
Jesus wants us to have life and to have it abundantly. So he protects us wherever we go. That's the picture. The sheep go out. The shepherd leads them to the pasture. Leads them to the grass. Protects them while they eat. Takes them to water that's just right. Not too slow. Not too fast. Takes them to that water. Protects them while they drink. He provides it for them. He protects them while they drink it. He provides grass. He protects them while they eat it. This is the good shepherd. We are not simply saved from something, brothers and sisters. We are saved to something. Life. That's what you're supposed to be living right now. Not living in fear, but life. We are saved, yes, from destruction of sin and His power and His control. But we are saved for joy of walking with our Lord. Following Jesus is not just about rules. The Word of God is given to us the same reason it was given to Adam and Eve. One thing they were told to do. And was it to kill their joy or provide for their joy? Give it to them. So they could have an abiding relationship with Him in fullness of joy. Jesus provides an active, abundant life. Listen. Through means. Through sacrifice. Look at verse 14 and 15. Listen, when you read the Bible, it is more than literature, but it is never less than literature. Look for the periods. Look at the commas and the semicolons in a verse. They're telling you that these thoughts are connected. I am the good shepherd, period. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and... I laid down my life for the sheep. So listen to me today. Jesus didn't simply die to be an example. Jesus didn't even primarily die to demonstrate the depth of his love. Jesus died because you were in real danger. That's the whole point of the shepherd's sheep. Word picture. We're not just in a little bit of danger. We're just not off track. He died because the sheep are in danger. That's why he laid down his life. He didn't have a martyr complex. There was a real danger. And so the shepherd would give his life for the sheep. In order to rescue them from the enemy's hands. You see. You got to understand. Verse 15. There's a semicolon there. Do you see that? Christ laying his life down for his sheep is inseparably connected to the relationship between the Father and the Son. Before there was you, before there was me, before there was a world, before there was a sun and a moon and a universe, there was a Father that had a loving, trusting relationship with his Son. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in Him may have life. The love of the Father for the Son and the Son for the Father is the very foundation, the reason that Jesus lays His life down for you and for me. And listen, for those that are not yet in the fold, the highest proof of God's love for you is that He laid His life down for you. 
but he laid his life down for you because the first and ultimate love of the Jesus' life was his father. And he trusted him completely. Jesus is the good shepherd that provides and protects for his people. So what today? So what today? <laughs> so we got a new dentist. Don't you just love the dentist? Some people do. Sorry, just not one of them. So everybody else is going, I, I'm not real big on dentists and doctors. I really don't remember the last time I went to my primary care physician. I can remember his name, you know. So I went there. Because my wife made me. <laughs> and there was this woman in there. And she was rough, right? I mean, my kids know who she is. She was rough. I mean, she got through. I have, you know, I don't want to be gross, but I mean, it was painful. She was harsh. She was rude. I was like, hmm. I don't know if it's going to be a next time or not, but there was. I wasn't really excited about it. I came in and I had a different lady. She was quiet and sweet. I about went to sleep while she was cleaning my teeth. I was like, I didn't even know that was possible. Brothers and sisters, been doing this a while. If you want to know one thing I've seen that's constantly derailing God's people, it is this. You are resisting the good shepherd because you have experienced a bad one. Listen, you won't live very long before this happens in your life. It is almost, once you get of a certain age, every person's experience. You have trusted someone that was in a position of authority in your life. They might have been a parent. Maybe a father, maybe a mother. I don't know how many stories I've heard of pastors that hurt the sheep, they hurt their people, they betrayed them. And so, that affects us in the now. We may give lip service to Jesus as the good shepherd, but we don't trust people very well. We don't highly esteem His church. Because that's where the pain happened. We don't esteem marriage because that's where the pain happened in my life when I was a child. So I don't trust men in authority. I don't trust a woman in authority because I had a bad shepherd in my past. Listen today to God's word. Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd and there is not another one. We get derailed when we raise people up in our life to the status of of the chief shepherd. And there is no one that holds that position. Save one. And his name is Jesus. But these pains that we have experienced. Are true and they're real. Remember if you want to look at the front of your page. Of your notes. The principles. For me this is critical. I live life trying to understand the promises of God and his word. And the principles I can learn to know how to live life. Bad shepherds create wandering sheep. Remember that? You know the best way to identify a bad shepherd? Know the good one. The greater, the better that you know the Lord. The more you study chapters like chapter 10 in John, the more you will be able to identify a bad shepherd when you run into one. 
And the more you will be able to take that bad shepherd, give him over to the Lord, and move on. Because he is his responsibility, not yours. How do we know we can trust an under-shepherd? Go back to this text and study it. You observe how an under-shepherd serves. Not just how he speaks. How he serves. How he cares. How he fights. Yes, under-shepherds should fight and so should you. There are things in this life worth fighting for. You see, bad shepherds, our principles, seek control. That's what they're after. That's what abusers want. They want control. They want self-glory. You ever seen a mother bear caring very tenderly for her little cubs? And what happens when another bear comes to hurt those cubs? You ever tried to hurt one of your senior wife? What happens when somebody tries to mess with one of her kids? Same picture. You know what that is? It's the image of God. That's what it is. You mess with my kids. I'm going to turn. You're going to get an experience of what the wrath of God feels like. Right? That's that. That's necessary. Listen, that's a good shepherd. That's what the under-shepherd should do because that's the way that what the Lord's going to do. We protect our own because the Lord has given to them to protect. Later on, look at Ephesians 5.29. The best definition of love is to provide nutrients for something's growth, protect it as it grows. That's what a shepherd does. That's what spouses do. Protect, we provide, just quiet because Christ does. All of that will be affected if you let the bad shepherd become the model of how you trust in the future. Our eyes point to the good shepherd. Listen, this is the gospel point. Christ laid down his life so you can lay down your pain me today he just didn't lay his life down to get you out of hell he laid his life down so you don't have to live life in pain from that bad shepherd who did something that they're going to have to give responsibility and account to God for that lay it down at the cross and follow the good shepherd he laid his life down so you could have that Find a group of imperfect, blood-bought people and live life with them. This is a necessary second question. If you've been affected by bad shepherds, this is your response. Self-shepherding. Well, I sacrifice self-shepherding so that I may enjoy the good shepherd. This is what happens when we are affected by a bad shepherd. Here's what we do. We self-protect, self-preservation. We go into like the old computers, we go into protection mode where everything sort of slows down and we decide we're going to live life in the fold. Just going to stay to me and mine, protect myself. As far as application goes, one of the most important things I'm going to say, self-preservation, self-shepherding is a form of slavery. It keeps us in a sheepfold of our own making, depending on only on ourselves. And if we are not careful, we will become the thief who steals from others what we need for ourselves. 
God did not make you nor create you to shepherd yourself. He made you, He created you to gain your joy from following the good shepherd and to trust Him. And if you want to know who you need to trust in your life, find somebody who is self-giving and self-sacrificing. For that, brothers and sisters, is the secret to a joy-filled, abundant life. And if you have a friend that's currently saying, I'm tired of doing all this for other people. I just got to love and take care of myself. They are walking into the enemy's hands and he will devour them. We need to pray for them. You need to write their name down. Because brothers and sisters, the Lord has called under shepherds. Brothers and sisters, we are the light of the world. So, Let us look to Christ this morning. Let us die to ourselves so that we may live life abundantly and life together. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for your word, for the truth of what it means that you are a a good shepherd. And Lord, may we embrace, Lord, this circle you have drawn around our life. You have called us to shepherd. It is a calling of every single person in this room. Lord, if you have redeemed a person in this room, then you have drawn a circle in their life and you have told them to shepherd people inside the circle. And Lord, I don't get to pick who's inside the circle. You've placed them in there. And so, Lord, help me to be the shepherd. I need to be. Call us, Lord. And we'll follow you. Oh, God. We want to be those people that can say, I strengthened the weak. I fed the hungry. When I saw one of your sheep wandering, I went out and I saw. And I see you'll be happy with us because you cannot be any more happier in us in Christ. But because... You are the good shepherd, and we have to do what our Lord is doing. And so, Lord, may 2021 be for us here at Battleground Community Church as we will embrace the calling that you have placed in our life. As we will talk about next week, we're safe in your hands, God. So may we live, live to your glory, live by the truth of your word, Live trusting in your providence. And live life together. And now, Lord, we want to remember your son. And so we respond as we do every week by coming to the tables to remember that he laid his life down for us. We remember this as his sheep. Jesus laid his life down of his own authority and he picked it back up. That's why we are gathered here on Sunday because he picked it back up. And so now, Lord, we remember that your son laid his life down for us and we will celebrate through song and through giving through the Lord's Supper. And then we will celebrate by how we go and how we love. Be worshipped now by your people that have been called by your name. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us and let us sing together.